Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to make that big decision. I want to win championships. I want to win bowl games. What else is a better place to do than your city? The power of home represents something. The DMV, like, you try to explain it to people that aren't from there, and it's hard to explain it. That thing we talk about, Maryland Pride, is real. And the way we're going to play with Maryland Pride. He's going to go! Touchdown, Maryland! The Terrapins have one last shot at winning this game. Three seconds, two seconds, one second, throws it off. And he got it! And the Terrapins win at the buzzer! Stevie Francis, showtime. Oh, man. What a play by Fias. Holy cow. Maryland hits the road to beat Penn State. Maryland pulls off the upset. They have defeated number one, and the celebration is on. And the kids have done it. Maryland wins their first ever national championship. Holding up Indiana, 64 to 52, and let's listen and look at the celebration. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And others host college sports and recruiting podcasts. You're listening to IMS Radio at InsideMarylandSports.com. Your hosts, Jeff Ehrman, Paul Douglas, and Larry France. It's been a long, long time, fellas. I just started recording. (laughs) Everybody's just all out of sorts. (laughs) Yeah. As usual. It's live on YouTube, but I just started recording for the... uh, for the audio, for the podcast. Okay. I knew I only got one notification, so something was wrong, but I wasn't going to yeah. say nothing. So here we go. For everybody live, you get to hear it again. For everybody on the radio show, three, two, one. Welcome back to IMS Radio. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been 56 days since we did a show. Ouch, man. 56. that. 56. That's one of, well, apart from my absence, I think that's the longest gap we've ever had between shows because we normally will do stuff during the summer but it's every like month or so right yeah i mean we we need a break too man i i, I got teenage kids and they're driving me crazy <laughs> and there's the, 
That's it. I, I, even now, I'm just like, man, if I like, you know, fall asleep in the middle of the show, don't blame me. Like, that's just been my life this summer. So <laughs> I'm Did super you do anything excited. fun, though? I mean, it was no, busy. I mean, but- yeah, I mean, we stuck out to the beach a couple of times, went to New York a couple of times. So we, we've been able to to get out here and there, but like the week to week, man, just hustling kids back and forth, camps and jobs and all this other crap, man. I, I can't wait for them fuckers to go back to school. School yeah. bus, baby. Both ways. They're not back yet? <laughs> no, nah, they start next week. Oh, you guys are later then. Yeah, mine already started. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, mine too. Mine's at Elon, but at college, but our local in Loudoun County here started this starts this week as well. Lucky. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. They're ready too. Weirdly. How about you, Jeff? Anything good this summer that you did? Well, we did our usual Bethany beach, big family reunion deal that I do with my whole family, all the cousins, big, my kids get to see their cousins and all that jazz. And then we actually took a little cruise to the Bahamas for a few days, which was nice. Hadn't done a cruise in a few years. So were any of the commit, the football commitments during that cruise, just for the record? Um, no, I don't, I don't know if any news broke this time. That might be a first. I'm trying to remember. I don't think there was a commitment during the cruise. That's, that's a first. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Recharged the batteries a little bit, and now it just seems like this last few weeks before football season is taking forever. Ten days, ten days, ten days, ten days. The off season gets longer every year. I feel like I don't know why. Well, this was a a kind of a different kind of off season because of all the crazy stuff that happened with all the realignment and everything, and felt like there was college sports was in the news constantly. It didn't feel like much of a gap i mean obviously the games but yeah well and then certainly with with football i mean we went from you know three commitments to like 20 over like yeah but felt like 30 or 40 days too so yeah it was a bit weird and then you had the whole you know the whole realignment thing and the tv deals and stuff so like there's been stuff to kind of keep up on um but you know the last the last week I've started, I started getting my text chain with my tailgate guys where everybody sends like that's exciting a Maryland number player with that number of how many days are left for the first game. So that's when I'm just like, oh, all right, let's do this thing. Yeah. We had a good summer too. We did a trip as well. We went to Europe. That was fun. And then my son, there's two things that are that my son did that kind of um, relate to the show a little bit. So we went to, Austin, 
He had a, you remember when we, when we went to Austin and we did our show there, our live show when Marilyn played at Texas and I had my studio friend come out to do the sound and everything, the live sound and record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Kevin, you remember mm-hmm. his name? Yeah. Well, uh, my son did a internship with him. So oh, that's cool. He's still down there. Yeah. He's well, he's a professional record producer. Yeah. That's what he does. I mean, he's got, he's got two platinum records hanging on his wall. He's, he's legit. He's the real deal. And so my son is part of his, uh, He's a music production writer. He has to go do uh, internships as well as part of for graduating. Anyway, no one cares about that. Point is, we went to Austin, and while we were there, I went to the the uh, what concrete is it? cowboy. Con- right? Concrete cowboy. Yeah. I almost said Coyote Cafe. Concrete. <laughs> that's a bar in Arlington. Okay, the Concrete Cowboy, and it's funny because I walked up to it around seven, and it wasn't open. I was like, why is it not open? And then it was like, oh, it's not going to open till later. And I waited and waited and waited. And I was just like walking around. I was like playing Pokemon Go. Like I was like bored out of my ass. Like, and finally it opens at like nine. And I walk in and I'm like, is Jonathan Vows here? The owner, the guy who we, you know, hooked up with to do the show, the Maryland alum who owns the bar. They're like, nope. And I was like, does Madison Graziati still work here by chance? Stalker. <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> no. But what it did was it kicked off our uh, our little stalker segment where we tried to find out about her on. Uh, oh, there's no, 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 no. There's no we here. This was oh, you. It was all a we. We were all, no, we were all was, talking about it. This was a you, like, you know, searching Instagram. And, I searched you know, Instagram. Yeah. yeah. She's uh she is no longer working there. She is married and has kids, it looks like from her Instagram. So there you go. I hope so. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago, yeah. And then the second thing we did, he had his first professional gig in Minnesota, which was cool. He got paid and uh went to Minnesota. And while I was there, like talked to a lot of people about like Minnesota, Maryland, Big Ten stuff. And I was I was surprised, like there wasn't a lot of you know, oh, Maryland, you don't belong in here. They were all super nice. They all like, like Maryland, everybody I talked to, which was a handful. Minnesota nice is a thing. They are really nice. Very nice. We were about an hour away from Canada for most of it. So yeah, they all appreciate and like Maryland. And so that was kind of cool. I still think PJ Flex sucks. Me too. He's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. Very weird guy. Over, over the top. Um, not quite used car salesman, but kind of used car salesman thing. Over the I top energy, over the top, like motivational speaker. Motivational speaker energy. James Franklin, I feel, has used car salesman energy. And he's, he's good. I've said it a million times. When he spoke at the 24-7 Publishers Conference. You couldn't help but like him talking to a whole room. People. He's got... He's got the it factor. He's got the Fleck? charisma for days. Yeah, PJ Fleck, he's got all those acronyms and like sayings and stuff. And spreading, One up of, and down, spreading up and down the sideline thing is you know, <laughs> yeah, all of it's weird. So he's fucking annoying. Some people, some people go for that stuff, I guess, right? I guess. There's some recruits who like it, apparently, right? There's a, one of his. Better than I thought he would. He's, he's put up really good results. 
Last two years have been good. They had the really good season. I think it was four seasons ago where they kind of went ten and two or something. Had a really good season. Well, I mean, I know. I mean, I, I I like that they've smartly kind of figured out what they can do. You know, recruit giant offensive linemen, try to run the ball and whatever. Yeah. Like, I appreciate coaches in college that like know they're not going to recruit top ten classes, so they just kind of develop what their system is and roll with it. And it kind of rolls into what I think about this year when you, you think about Maryland football going into training camp with, you know, a lot of, a lot of holes and pieces and, you know, new pieces and holes to fill. And you kind of wonder whether this is one of those years where even though you've got Leah back, you've got some of the stars back, you, you kind of wonder whether they've developed the program to a point where you can start to plug and play guys a little bit the guys that you that are behind the guys that left are at least good enough. So the drop off isn't significant and you can still look to build on that. Um, I, to me, that's the story of the season. Really. It's, it's not just Leah coming back. It's like, okay, well, can you rebuild an offensive line with transfers and with guys who are behind, you know, can you rebuild a defensive line with young guys that have been in the program two or three years, stepping up and seeing if they can, if they can make an impact, like, like that's the story to me. This this year says a lot to me about the longevity of the program and whether they can create something that can last and not just, you know, you're stealing a couple extra wins a year because you got Aaliyah at quarterback, which you're obviously right. not gonna have every year. So, you know, yep. to well, segue to segue into our our world, like that's right. that's what I'm looking for here. Well and done. The next uh next season will is where I was gonna get into that because that's when Lee is gone. Mm-hmm. And this year, they're most likely going to win seven-ish games or so. And they'll be about what they were last year, probably. Hopefully a little better, maybe eight-ish. Whatever it is, we'll get into that in a second, too. But next year, when Lee is gone, is when you're going to find that out. Was it, was it the blip because of Leah? Or has he built a sustainable foundation? It seems yeah. like he has. Like It, it seems like... If you're like, if you're okay with being patient and long term, it feels like he's built foundation. Yeah, yes, he's upgraded the talent pretty much across the board. Expectations are higher, obviously. You know, 15 wins back to back seasons combined, first time in a decade plus. Yeah, he's built a foundation. Like you said, how much of that foundation is is Leah? That's the question. But you know, I think they've got some nice pieces actually behind him. Cam Edge, I'm hearing, is actually pretty talented guy like they think he could be the guy which you know we've seen Billy Edwards is at least capable in like a Taylor Heineke kind of way uh so if Edge is clearly better than him which I'm not saying he is but if it turns out that way then you might you might be honest something I think they really like him but yeah the thing that this year it's like it's too bad you don't have the offensive line stacked this year you know it's, it's because otherwise those skill positions are loaded especially on offense they got some guys on defense. If this just happened to be a year where the offensive line was all coming together, you know, I think they'd be very dangerous. But they still could have a really good year. But that that question mark is pretty big, you know, especially at the guard spots and especially with all these new guys coming in. So, you know, we said it a million times, but if the offensive line holds up, it's going to be a magical season, but it's a big hit. A lot of – been reading a lot of the camp reports and the things updates you've been making on the site and the other guys on the site. And it seems like 
they're in really good shape all over the field except for both of the lines. But the defensive line is maybe a little better shaped than the offensive line because there's some more depth and a couple other players who might be already at a higher level, whereas the offensive line is 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 the bad one. Is that do you yeah. agree with that? Both lines are the areas of concern. Hundred percent. You know, outside of the two lines, really, cornerback is the only position where you have questions. To me, I mean, like I said, you're stacked at the skill positions. You've got a couple of established safeties. I think people don't realize how good the young linebackers are going to be. But on the offensive line, I mean, you know, you lose two guys to the draft, okay, but then the, the real kick in the groin was losing two likely starters to the portal: Mason Lunsford to LSU, Colton Derry to TCU. Those were the real. If, if you keep both of those guys, you're still in pretty good shape. Now, you know, from what I'm hearing, um, kid from uh, NCA and Corey Bullock transfer guard looks really good. So that's big for them. You know, Gottlieb Day was the guy everybody was hyping up. He was projected as the first, not excuse me, not a first round pick, but an NFL draft pick coming out of Frostburg, decided to come to Maryland. But actually, Seth Bullock is the guy I've heard more about really standing out. So that's good for you at guard. Obviously, DJ Glaze is really good at tackle. You know, he should be a very solid tackle, probably another draft pick. You know, you hope Aidze lives up to it, but then those other two spots at center and, and the other guard spot, you're going to be relying on some guys who haven't proven themselves. And then the second string, if there's any injuries, it, it gets a little bit scary. So that's the thing. And then the defensive line, I think there's a little more, um, sort of a little more confidence I'd have you know, just because of all the buzz about Jordan Phillips, Tennessee transfer being really good. Tommy Akinbasote played a good amount last year, so he should be, you know, at least serviceable. You know, they've got Quayshawn Fuller, who apparently looks good. Um, so, so there's not – it's not star-studded. Or, you know, they lost a lot there too, but I think there's a little less concern there than maybe on the offensive side. Yeah, and just the nature of the defensive line, right? If you've got dudes who are big enough – and enough of them, you can you can get by on the defensive right. line. On the offensive line, one guy whiffs on a block, your drive is over, right? So there's just a lot, you know, even if you're not super confident in the defensive line, defensive line probably isn't going to lose you a game, whereas an offensive line absolutely will, and then some. So, I mean, that again, you know, we've had the same conversation, I think, just about every year, except maybe last year, uh, in the past decade or so, it's always the offensive line, and you always come out of camp thinking, okay, maybe just possibly we can, you know, Elmer's glue and duct tape this thing together and make it work, and maybe not, and, you know, we'll see. I guess the only advantage really is the way the schedule plays out. They'll have most of September to kind of, you know, figure their shit out before they start to face with some real decent competition. We got a question in the chat. I think that offense could be prolific. Like I've said this a million times too. I feel like the wide receivers are the exact inverse of last year where they were had a ton of hype and didn't really perform that well. These guys, people don't really, you know, they're, they're none of them are household names, but I feel like they'll be significantly better than last year's group. Like they, they just have a ton of talent there. Only issue to me is the deep threat. You've got to be able to get Prather or one of those guys who can really be a, a legit deep threat, and Leah's got to be able to hit him because it, it seemed like last year at times defenses would just key in on that first 20 yards and leave maybe a safety over the top and just count on us not being able to hit them deep because you didn't have Demas or that type of guy you could count on for that. 
you know, maybe Knotts or one of these guys, you know, uh, Ty Felton can, can emerge as a real reliable deep threat. But uh, that's the only thing that worries me a bit about uh, on the outside. Well, the other thing you have to remember is experience there is through the roof. I mean, almost all these guys are third or fourth year players, except for Octavius and the young guys, Octavian Smith. Then you got Ty Felton, Sean Jones, Tyrese Chambers, Caden Prather. They're all third or fourth year guys. Sean Jones, I think it's been through med school and law school already. So he brings decades of experience. Yeah, I think, I think he was recruited <laughs> by Edsel. Yeah. <laughs> He so, might. Um, He's been three locks, right? What's that? Oh, He's yeah. Three locks. locks. Six years, right? Yep. This is Locks's fifth? I think the running backs are just as loaded, you know, probably. I mean, there's some, there's behind Hemby, you don't know if you have a star, but you've got a lot of guys who've shown they can be capable Big Ten backs, and they think, you know, like I've said before, Ramon Brown, they think he is. A future star like MB. So, and they've got a couple of stars on the defensive. Well, Jayshon Barham in particular. Well, the linebackers like could be nasty. Yeah, like really nasty this year. And that that field. If you want a position where it looks like we went from a a bit of a weakness to a strength, look at linebacker. Man, I, I feel like that group could be really disgusting. Even though they're they're still pretty young across the top. I feel like the defensive backs aren't going to be that bad either. Either I know they lost a lot of guys, but they got uh, what was the transfer oh. from Cincinnati? Uh, Shepard. Shepard. Yeah. Shepherd. And they've got you other still got guys. Tarheeb. Yep. Right? And Braid. And Braid and Trainer. Safeties. Those starters are really good. And those two corners should be good. Right. Behind those two corners, there is not a single guy who's proven himself or really played a lot of corners. So you need like. You know, I heard that Corey Coley looks good in camp, which would be huge for them. Obviously, you know, he's struggled uh, as a young cornerback. He brings something different, a lot of length, you know, like 6'2". And, um, and then Gavin Gibson may or may not be injured again. but He got uh, banged up in the scrimmage. Yes, and so then you got some young guys, Lonnell Whitaker. Glendon Austin. Miller, right? In the secondary? Yeah, yeah so um, corner – Corner depth is, is another big question. Two lines and the depth at corner. Everything else is pretty solid. And that's always the problem with Maryland. It feels like they can pop out a starting 22 that can compete with just about any team. But when you go through the, the course of a season and, and fatigue starts happening and injuries start happening and other types of suspensions maybe start happening, right, and that starts to pile up, that's where – the separation happens with Maryland and a lot of the more elite programs. That's where those Big Ten class recruiting rankings come in, right? Maryland recruits yep. well for Maryland. But when every other team is in the top 25, that, that, that equates to depth, obviously. And, yeah. You know, so. And then it puts, a, it puts a premium on taking those three-star type guys and turning them into reliable college football players, keeping them in the program for two or three or four years, before maybe they get their chance to play. But when they play, they show up, they do a job, you know, they start for a year or two and then they're off to wherever. Like that feels like where every Maryland coach since Fridge has never been able to, first of all, never been here long enough to build that type of, that type of depth and that type of, of program culture. But 
that feels like the turning point to me. Like if, if you're a Maryland football fan and I know a lot of us, you know, we're BS in the parking lot, like we know who we are, right. We're, we're not expecting we're going to win big 10 championships or compete for them every year. You just want to have a team that's going to compete. You want a team that's going to win six, seven, eight guys, games a year, maybe every once in a while, go on a run. And to be able to do that, you've got to be able to have not just 22, you got to be able to have like 40 to 45 guys who could reliably play, football you know big 10 level football when you need them to you need to have that depth that's one of the few things i do like about loxley's program that he he plays so many kids like yeah it gets annoying when you see barham on the sideline on third downs or you know not playing uh, all the snaps but the guys under him are getting snaps that they wouldn't be getting otherwise so when you need them hopefully that that starts to pay off a little bit one area of concern for me as well is Special teams, Ryland was so good last year. He's gone. That seems to be a bit of a question mark as well, correct? Yeah, it seems like it's going to be Jack Howes, former walk-on, total, you know, question mark. It sounds like he's, you know, they're thinking he's capable at least, but, yeah, nobody's going to be Ryland. I mean, he was one of the best kickers they've had and ever probably. So that is – that's another legit question mark. And then – in terms of like the intangibles, can they cut out the penalty madness? That's right? that yeah. is that's, that's got to on the list right next to just below offensive line, probably because you know they shot themselves in the foot so many times that you know it was, it was uncanny. So, is that a feature or a bug? Is the question, and they need to make it a bug. Yep, there was a question in the chat. That kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to do from Antoine Cuff, who's asking about the record. Um, and I, cr I created my spreadsheet that I always create where game by game, we give the percentages. You love it, Paul. Stop it. Fucking hilarious. You love it. Man. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Give me, we're going to go game by game and quickly spout out your percent chance for Maryland to win the game. And we'll have our season prediction that way. So uh, Towson. And we'll, I'll say the name, and then Jeff go first, then Paul, and we'll do it quickly that way. Jeff, Towson? 99. Paul? 99. Okay. Charlotte? 99.9. .9. Paul? <laughs> 95. Okay. Well, Virginia. just I'll give him 5% of, of a revenge game for a bunch of those guys. Virginia? Uh. 80. Paul? 85. They suck. They suck bad. They do. At Michigan State, Jeff? 40. Paul? 50 50. Okay. Indiana, Jeff? Uh, that was at home, right? Yes. Uh, 90. Woo! <laughs> Paul, Indiana. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, six, 70, 70. All right. At Ohio State, Jeff. Five. Paul? Uh, I, 10. All right. Illinois, Jeff. Illinois at home. 70. Paul? Um, uh, I think they were a one-off, but I don't know. Uh, 65. 
Okay. At Northwestern, Jeff. Uh, 80. Paul? They're also garbage, but it is on the road. And I don't know. Uh, 80. It's probably about right. Okay. Jeff, Penn State at home. Say, you no, know, I want to go a little higher, but you just you just don't beat them lately, so I'll go 30. Okay. Jeff, or sorry, Paul? 25. They got to prove it, man. At, ne it. at Nebraska? They're not great, but that is a tough place to play. I'll go, uh, go 30. Okay, Paul? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. Um, I I say 35. All right, Michigan, Jeff. Home, at home but they are really good. I'll yeah. go. Uh, you're just not beating them lately. I'll go 20. Okay, that might be generous. Paul, uh, at 25, puncher's chance with Leah back there. At Rutgers to close the season, Jeff. Like some wild ass games with Rutgers. Um, close, close at times too. Yeah, yeah, you should clearly win that one. It is on the road, but still 75. Okay, and Paul? Same, 75. All right, I'm going to share now so you can see where we all stand. I think I might be a little bit lower than Jeff. Uh, you're almost exactly the same. I'm lower yeah, than both of you guys. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you guys see the spreadsheet? Do you guys okay, see? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, I'm at six seven three, Jeff seven one eight, Paul seven one four, and Hoagie at seven point zero nine. I got his as well. Got so. guesses, huh? <laughs> yes. Nice. Oh, also, what where do you rank them in the country? I put thirty five. All of mine were done first before I looked at any of this other stuff, by the way. So what, what do you think in the country are they, Jeff? 35 is a sweet spot. That sounds just about right to Paul? me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's – Okay. That's so I'm at 6.73. I'm the lowest out of almost everything. Only ESPN, FPI is lower than me. Massey's a little higher. Team rankings are a little higher. You guys are all over seven. But – it basically averages out to about seven. What's the Ve What's the Vegas line? Is six and a half six or seven and, and a half? half? Six and a half. I would bet over the, on that. I haven't made a bet on that yet. Um, so for people not looking, six point seven three games, seven point one eight, seven point one four, seven point zero nine, and then the analytics sites of ESPN, Massey, and Team Rankings all average out to 6.79 wins, so just under seven. And then if you go to team rankings, they break it out by percentage, uh, the chance at each record. So one in 11, there's a 0.3% chance of that. Zero wins they didn't even list. So uh, two and 10, 1.5%. Three and nine is 3.9%. Four and eight is 7.6%. Five and seven is 12.1%. Six and six, 16.4%. Seven and five, the most likely record, 18.6%. Eight 
Eight and four is 17.4%. And that's notable because eight and four more likely, at least according to the analytics, than six and six, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Nine and three at 12.8%. 10 and two, 6.8%. Not likely, but that's not nothing. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) Telling me there's a chance. 11 and one, 2.3% chance. And national title game, or sorry, the playoffs, 12 and 0, 0.4%. So, so obviously, the, the tell here is going to be Michigan State away, right? I mean, yes. if they pull that one off, you start to recalculate some things a little bit here. Right. That's the first 50-50 game. There's three yeah. 50-50 games. Michigan State, at Michigan State, Illinois, and at Nebraska. Those are the three that I look at as really 50-50 games. They're going to be heavy favorites or strong, solid favorites against, obviously, Towson and Charlotte. But then Virginia, of course, definitely Indiana, um, definitely at Northwestern, definitely at Rutgers. There's seven games that are going to be really solid, strong favorites. There's the three games where they're massive underdogs, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and then there's those three games which are the swing games at Michigan State, Illinois, at Nebraska. You go two and one of those, you got your shot at nine and three. Right, That's and I think, I think, yeah, and I think the this year that makes this year a little bit more optimistic is the schedule finally lets up a little bit. I mean, those those three being your swing games are pretty good for swing games. You know, there are a lot of seasons where you're looking at pretty much four automatic losses before you even start. Right. You know, at this point, you're looking at 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 least two, probably, but potentially three, Um, probably three, at least Penn State and Michigan at home. You can you can dream a little bit, you know, eventually things will come together and and that'll just happen. But right. um, You know, Michigan State, man, that's what you want to mark on the on the calendar. I think that's going to tell the story of the season. And one other thing to note, that date right there for Towson, September 2nd. 10 days, my friend. 10 days. Yep. 10 days. Beautiful. 10 days. Okay. Close. Those are our projections. Every week we will check in and see how we did. See how they're not going to change my first two weeks unless something really bad happens. <laughs> right. And the other thing is everything's really uniform this year. There's usually a little bit more fluctuation, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at it, it's like people don't know what to make of Illinois. Like, was last year just a, a you know, a one year, one-off kind of situation? Or is Bielema really going to be able to coach him up into a decent team? Because otherwise, you're looking at Illinois at home. You're calling that a win. Whereas a lot of the analytics and a lot of even our, our percentages are pretty low for that kind of game, you know. Indiana too. They got a really good defense. I think I don't think he's an elite coach, but I think you know they're not going to be as good as they were necessarily. But I don't think it's a total one one in wonder. I thought they lost a lot to the NFL from that defense, as I recall. But I don't. Uh, They lost the running back, and then his brother plays defense. But they got Newton Kane is you know in the mix for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. They got several other guys back. Quarterback, I think, is a question mark for them. Yeah. I think they're definitely leveling up at least to some extent over what they were before he got there. I mean, Lovey Smith is horrendous. Recruiting Jeff. 
went crazy, as Paul said, over the summer. Tons of commits, some nice, really nice four stars, some nice, highly rated kids. What's left? I, I went through the Maryland.247sports.com. When you go in, for those of you guys who don't know, everybody probably knows, but you go in and you can, there's all kinds of sortable ways to look at the commitments and, and the recruits and the, 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 the prospects and the targets. And I went through and I did a search for every player Maryland is recruiting, every target that has Maryland at least at warm, warm, warmest, or favorite. All the favorites have already committed. So really, there were six of those that are left, and they are Ernest Willer Jr., Zayas Shine, Jalen Harvey, Trevor Zemanski, Willie Love, and Caden Brown that were either warm or warmest. Any of that looking like it might happen, or is there anybody that maybe the site is not, doesn't have there? That's well, still most of the guys who are at the top of their list are committed to other schools. At this point, they've reached that point of cycle where you have 19 commits already, so you're only taking six, seven, whatever else it might be. And and majority of them are these guys, you know, um, Aaron Childs, the linebacker from Good Council, coming to Florida. That's going to be a really tough flip. But, you know, he's the guy they really want. Um, You know, the kid, uh, D.D. Holmes from Gonzaga, defensive lineman, they they really want him badly. He's coming to Florida State, so they're going to keep trying to flip him. Uh, Kenny Eric Ansa from Virginia, coming to Virginia Tech. They feel like they have a chance to flip. So it's mostly guys like that with a few exceptions. Some of the guys mentioned Dylan Harvey is the, the biggest name probably, uh, you know, obviously because he's a local guy, Prince, Ar- Prince Orchard, four-star. You know, it's, it's tough to say with him. He's, you know, he's down to Penn State, Maryland, and, and Southern Cal, uh, visiting Southern Cal this weekend for a long time. I completely wrote him off for Maryland. I think Maryland didn't feel good at all, even as a month or so ago. I think maybe they're in it now, you know. It seems like they actually might have a chance there. Love to get him. Obviously, he might it might be a little extra enjoyable just because of the Chop Robinson angle. You know, another Quince Orchard defensive end. You got him. He goes to Penn State. Um, and now this kid, obviously, Penn State wants really bad from the same school, same position. So it might be a little extra rewarding if you pull that one off. I don't think I don't think anybody really knows necessarily where he's leading. Uh, it could be Penn State, you know. And then uh, Ernest Willer from Florida is a blue chip kid. Been really quiet on him. I do think that they have a chance there. Otherwise, a lot of them, like I said, are these kids that are going to probably go all the way to signing day where they try to flip them. And I'm sure some new names will pop up uh, during the season as we go. Uh, the Shine kid they really like. I think he visited back in probably June, so they, I believe they're still in the mix there, but overall, it's you're shooting for the stars now with these last, you know, with this last, like, 25% of your class. They're all, all of the ones that are, are the targets that were on the list there are either high three-star or into the four-star range, so, you know, you get any, like, combination of them, it's a good closeout to the to the class. And you said there are some possible flips too. Yeah. And um, Jordan Seaton is another guy, kind of like Harvey, uh, offensive lineman from St. John's, DC. It seemed like they had no chance with early. Still might be a pretty tough pull. He's got a lot of blue blood offers, very highly rated. Uh, I think, I believe we might have him as the number one 
interior offensive lineman in the country. Um, so, you know, I think that they've improved their odds a little bit there. And at this point, it's, it's all about uh, quality over quantity. I think they really need to buy some more defensive linemen. You know, they have six or seven offensive linemen in the class. That was a priority because the depth there on the roster is super thin. But, you know, I think they really have to address defensive line here with a couple more guys. Okay. Well, three of the six that I listed are edge, listed as edge as their position. So what they need. I mean, you look at the roster right now. Yeah. Love Phillips, obviously, he's unproven. Otherwise, you don't have any proven pass rushers. You don't have a lot of big dudes in the middle, big bodies. Um, so it's, and a, then, it's a big man. And then, of course, every year since Loxley's come to Maryland, there's been the signing day awesome flips that Maryland gets. It's a very exciting day. I maintain that I know the South Carolina people said this about uh, was it Jay Sean Barham that it was pre-planned yeah. that he did that on purpose. I I think they might be right. Like no. it happens so often. No, put it this way: I know no. South Carolina who would know, and I was told it's BS. It was not set up. They know it was not set. It up. happens so often though. Like you, you start to think like is Loxley kind of doing it so he gets like. He gets the big, like, yeah, net headlines. If he was going to do that, why would he choose South Carolina and not Alabama or somebody to really make headlines? You know, you flip a kid from South Carolina, oh, they got a four-star flip. You flip a kid from Bambo or Michigan or wherever like else, then it's a big headline. That's a good so point. I, I, I really – I am quite confident that it was just – yes. Also, I misspoke on Jordan scene. He, he was at St. John's. He's at IMG Academy now. Yeah. That's that. I mean, that's a good point. I, and probably it's not, but it's every year it happens. So I guess Loxley's just that good that at the end, he just gets in kids' ears. And at the end, at the last minute, they're like, I got to go to Lox. I got to go play for Lox. Got to go play at Maryland. I also suspect that Loxley isn't bothered that a kid is committed to another school and says, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. stay, like, like, well, like, you know, stay committed. That's fine. Just, you know, is it okay if I still recruit you? You know, like, like I think a lot of the a lot of times coaches put kids off with these, you know, artificial kind of rules like, oh, well, if you if you visit somewhere else, you can't stay committed to, to Randy. Randy, you know, Randy. Yeah, like if you if you, you know, if you do this, and you do that. I don't want you want, you know, with all this coach speak bullshit. I think Locks is just real with them. Like, all right, well, you want to be committed to that school. That's fine. I'm going to try and work you until signing day. And I think just every once in a while, it you works. know, it works. And a lot of times it's working with local kids. So like when the kid's got to sit there and sign his name on a piece of paper with his family saying, Hey, I'm about to go travel 2000 miles away instead of staying, you know, 20 minutes away. Like, I think that there's some heaviness to that, you know, yeah. I, think, I think it helps. Yeah. Last year. I mean, he kept it, he kept it pretty quiet. Neo Avery from Ole Miss. And, you know, it was on our site. I reported it. Otherwise, not even the reporters at Ole Miss. I don't even think the staff there. I don't even think Lane Kiffin knew that the kid might flip four-star from Good Council, flip them on signing day. Before that, obviously, Tim Jarrett is the biggest name. So, you know, with the number, with his track record for that, and I think the NIL program improving, 
um, and a number of guys, local guys that they're trying to flip out and be shocked if they don't get a couple this year. Last thing for football, we are going to go into basketball for you guys a little bit. I wanted to talk about all the conference realignment stuff. Obviously, massive news nationally affecting the entire sport, but particularly how it affects Maryland, Oregon, Washington, joining the conference. They're going to have to redo all those schedules that they came up for the last two years. They have to redo that. And so Maryland was in this situation where, hey, finally, finally, they're getting out of this Big Ten East situation, the lopsided conferences, and finally it's going to be a balanced schedule, which should really help Maryland maybe get an extra win every year or every other year, right? Now, Oregon and Washington come in, and USC and UCLA, which everyone already knew about, that's two teams that are going to be really hard for Maryland to beat. So even though you're not in the stacked East anymore, now you're playing a balanced schedule. The balanced schedule is still really tough because everybody the Big Ten brings in now are these monster programs, which is why I'm kind of an advocate for, hey, if they want to bring in UVA and UNC, I, I know why people are objecting to that, and I understand it. I get it. That's teams Maryland can beat. Those are wins they can get. I don't – no, go ahead, Jeff. You're, you're the smart one. Um, yeah, right. No, uh, I think you you take those in a minute with their brands, especially UNC. That's one of the best brands in all college sports right up there, just a little bit, you know, behind Notre Dame and Alabama football or whatever it might be. And I know the Big Ten wanted them last time. I think that they yeah. – I just can't escape the feeling that it's inevitable. I don't think they're going to go – I don't think they're an SEC type of school. I think they're they're more of a that Big Ten like tweet jacket kind of vibe academically. Um, well, that might sound like a joke, given all, given all we know about things that happen there, their academics. But right, uh, you know, I mean, it just feels inevitable. They'll end up Big Ten, maybe UVA, Clemson, and Florida State go to the SEC, and the, the ACC is just an island of misfit toys. Maybe bring in Stanford if they don't get to the Big Ten. So. It's kind of sucks because it's going to be a little bit, I don't want to say boring, but who wants to have all the best schools just in two power conferences? You know, it's more exciting when there's good people everywhere. And, you know, it's kind of. It's, it's the NFL part two. I, yeah. See, I, here's my thing, though. I, I don't. Normally, when you try and pull this type of thing off, it doesn't work, right? Like schools that might have been good in their own little pond come to the big pond and aren't necessarily as good as they once were. Like I remember, you know, kind of when the ACC brought in uh, Boston college, uh, Miami and Virginia tech. And it's like, Hey, we took the best, you know, at least two of the best uh, football programs in the big East and a Boston college team that had been very good in both rev sports for quite a while there. And like, Hey, that just makes us all better. But it, it turns out a lot of times that doesn't happen. Things have a way of evening themselves out. Now, I'm not saying that the ACC remnants of you know the Island Misfit Toys, as Jeff appropriately puts it, is all good. You know, all of a sudden Georgia Tech's going to go start winning ten games a year because of that. But I do think, yeah, maybe if you're USC or Oregon, like you're obviously you've got a football brand and the type of money and support that you're always going to be pretty good, right? But look what happened in Nebraska. 
You know, that's what we'd have thought about Nebraska 10, 15 years ago. Look at them now. Washington, again, that's, they've had some killer teams over the past 10, 15 years. Are they able to keep that up when they've got to travel the way they do, when they can't recruit locally maybe as much as they did? I don't know. UCLA is usually trash. I mean, they got Chip Kelly. Can those teams hold up? You know, maybe this is a cliche or overstated, but can they hold up with their finesse style coming in and playing these smash mouth teams from the Big Ten every week? It's going to take them years to adjust it. And maybe, who knows, maybe their speed, you know, it evens out with their advantage on that side of the ball and offense. But uh, I think they might have a little rude awakening the first few years, and it's going to be even more interesting in basketball, right? Because one one of the things Maryland seems to be trying to build an advantage in is its playing style, being an outlier in the Big Ten of you know pressing, running a faster pace. Now you got some West Coast schools coming in. It's going to you know it's going to hopefully improve the quality of play in the Big Ten and maybe fix this pathetic March Madness slump that the conference is in. You know, kind of the uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Um, scenario UCLA recruits at pretty much the highest level or, or up near the top Oregon recruits at a really high level so uh I think Big Ten basketball to me maybe it's because I I love basketball not that I don't love football but I think that might even be more interesting to see because it just feels so weird to me the thought of like Oregon going to like Wisconsin on a Thursday night or something like it just it feels um interspecies breeding or something <laughs> like it's just it's, it's weird it's weird but like when they brought in ucla and usc you knew this was happening there was yep. no way they were going to leave those two on an island and honestly i'm not sure if they're done over there no. on the west coast and again it, that's fine once you decide you're gonna dip your toe into that part of the country you might you as well go. go all in right i mean there's there's no reason to hold back uh, I, I think, honestly, in the end, I think the Big 12 is not going to be able to compete at the SEC and Big 10's level, but they're going to make – they're going to carve a space for themselves. And, honestly, I give I give their commissioners some credit because I thought they were dead in the water two, three years ago. I mean, they have they found a way to keep themselves relevant. Maybe they – uh, They're going to end up outpacing the ACC in all of this. Clearly. And what's left of the Pac-10? Absolutely. I mean, well, I wouldn't be – you can you can imagine the Big Twelve sucking up a Virginia Tech, you know, yes. like maybe an NC State, yes. or something like that. So you know, these are decent pro; these are good enough programs to keep you relevant, right? So, you know, West Virginia has worked out fairly well for them. Like Pitt's worked out well well for them. So i i could I could see this. I, I I understand everybody feels like it's all doom and gloom, and it's going to be the NFL and and just a, another type of pro sports. But I do feel like a lot of the times we worry about that and and things just have a way of working themselves out. So I'm, I'm not super worried about it. I'm just kind of, you know, grabbing my popcorn and seeing what the hell happens and kind of going from there. Um, but it, it's certainly. People complain about the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament getting too many bids. In five years, they're going to be like, the Big Ten should have got 27 bids this year. That's right. <laughs> they should get all the bids, right? Yeah. <laughs> Should have their own tournament, and that's the thing. As long as the, the as long as the NCAA tournament remains a thing, the NCAA is not going anywhere, right? So we're still going to play this game where we've got these conference issues, and maybe you end up with non-revenue sports 
kind of doing a different, more regional thing just out of necessity compared to the rev sports. But I, I'm, I'm not I'm not super down on it. I just kind of like I like watching Maryland play football and play basketball. I don't really care that much who they're playing against as long as it's at the highest possible level. So I'm just sitting back and enjoying it. And we'll see what happens. I'm very happy that Maryland found themselves a chair when the music stopped and is what it is, man. I'm happy for that, too. I'm also I miss radio live from Westwood. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh hey, hey, what did I say? What yes. did I say when we joined the Big Ten? What did I say? I wanted one Rose Bowl in my time, in my life before I died. I didn't say the Rose Bowl game necessarily. <laughs> well, you'll get it game then. at the Rose Bowl. You'll so, get it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the Rose Bowl. Maybe they merely gets off to a five and zero start and goes out to UCLA. I think we gotta do it. That'd be all right. Do it. I, I also am very obviously very happy that Maryland is in the spot that they're in. However, I feel sadness over what's happening. I, I think about the Oregon State and Washington State fans. Oh, that's devastating, man. Yeah, devastating. Yeah, like, I can't, I can't. Can you imagine being them? And that's, that's why I think the ACC, when it starts, it's going to go fast because no one wants to be the Oregon state and Washington state of ACC when Florida state and Clemson and whoever else goes to the sec. And I think that's, I think that's what's going to happen because uh, I made a big post about this on the board too, in the, in the expansion thread, but ESPN, when they say, Oh shit, Florida state and Clemson are going to go to the big 10. Okay. Hang on, hang on. All right, fine. Go to the SEC, we'll allow it, and then ESPN will still control their rights. So ESPN is going to do everything they can stop the Big Ten. So I think that will happen. And once that starts, my prediction is that the Big 12 is going to get, like you were just saying, uh, Virginia Tech, NC State, Pitt, Louisville, those teams make so much sense for the Big 12, and those Southern schools go to the SEC, and then you've got those – six or seven or eight leftovers. That's how I think it's going to happen. And, I think that's right. Forest and Boston College are going to have to team up with Oregon State and Washington State and have like a little, you know, afterthought conference or something like wherever those you're Boston College or Wake Forest. Oh, you're done. Uh, you're, you're cooked. Good. Yeah. You're cooked. They're, they're, yeah. They're, and you, Duke, well, you, you honestly might as well consider dropping football down to FCS or something. And, like yeah. and Duke. And Duke. Like, Duke and might do in the Big East. Yeah, well, I don't what? know. Because I, I do think – I think in the end, you, everybody says it'll be two. I think it'll be three. I think the Big 12 will carve out a niche for itself. It won't yes. be as good as SEC or Big 10. Right. Um, or Big 20 or Big 30, whatever the fuck it is by that point. But, but there will be three conferences that will compete – there will be a leftovers, and I don't know how on earth that's going to work with the regional disparity there, but obviously they're not going to just drop down to FCS. They're going to find something to do with the AAC or whatever, and they're yes. all going to have to carve those things up into regional yes. conferences, I'd imagine, to, to make, the, make the dollars work. But, like, it's going to be fine, guys. Like, it will work out. It'll be fine. I- is and it going to be fine? It's not going to be as good. That's what people said when the Southern Conference broke up in like 1950. I mean, it's just the Southwest Conference. 
Oh, yeah, oh no, Maryland's Maryland Southern Conference. I don't know. I just spit that out. I don't know any of those things for real. Yeah, there was about it. Yeah, yeah. the yeah, Southwestern Jones. Conference is the one that was like eight Texas schools in Arkansas, and they yeah. broke up and split into the Big Twelve. And, and that's when everybody yeah. said, "This is it's college football is over. We're never gonna. It's never gonna be the same again. No, it's not gonna be the same again. But it'll still be different." It'll still be fine. Everybody said after NIL, the same again. The same schools that were kicking ass before NIL are kicking ass today. It's going to be fine, guys. It's fine for Maryland. It's not fine for everybody. And there is sadness. That's true. No, I mean, if you're if you're one of those schools that honestly though should Wake Forest be good at football, there's no reason on earth for Wake Forest to be good at football. So like, it's still sad though. No, find find your level and kick ass, right? Being a JMU football fan must be fun, right? Who wouldn't want that? You win 10 games a year. You know, you go to the playoffs. Like, that sounds fun. I guess they moved up to to uh, yeah. BCS this year. But you know what I mean? Like, what, you know, if you find your level and you compete, like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's 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 fine. I mean, it's, it's not great to be Rutgers. Like, do you want to be Rutgers? Do you want to be us for most of the past 20-some years? It's not great. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of comments in the chat talking about the ACC adding Cal and Stanford and SMU. Maybe that all might happen. I don't know. There's some votes that are supposed to happen with that. Another comment about the Big Ten deal with Maryland. And this is something that everyone talks about. Maryland is done paying off its debt. But no, sorry, Maryland is getting its full share now. Right. right. But they borrowed money from the Big Ten as well in order to pay off debt. So how many more years do they have left to pay that off? It's a good question. I've been meaning to check. Right. I think Until the pretty, end of time. You know, I think they <laughs> might be a lot closer than they were. I, you know, I don't know what the exact number is. I know as of you know the past few years, they were still chipping away, but it was such a huge number. Um, they got, you know, some pretty big loans in the conference to be able to make the whole thing happen in the first place. So, I need to I need to find out where that where that is right now. Here, here, just always count on Maryland being too poor to do what we want them to do. That is <laughs> that is my that is my running uh, opinion on this whole thing. I don't know any of the numbers. I don't know how it works. I don't know what the deal is. I just know that we will always be too poor to do the stuff that we would have to do to be a giant football program. On top of not having any fans actually show up at games. Yeah, to me, it's more the fan thing than the being too poor thing it's just getting the fans on board is such a herculean challenge at maryland it just seems to get harder every year even when they're winning even when they're starting to win it's still hard you know it's hard to really put your finger on you know obviously the other stuff about it being in a big market with so many competing pro teams we've discussed that a million times that's all true obviously but it still seems to be getting incrementally tougher when you compare it to the amount of success that they've been having the past few years. And that's why people thought I was crazy when I said I might turn down a nine-win season if it doesn't include a win over Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State. I know that You are crazy, Jeff. Yeah, yeah you are crazy. It's really a hot take. And at first, my gut, my knee-jerk reaction was clearly taken. And, you know, if you're being realistic, you probably shouldn't take it. But same time, you haven't been able to beat those teams hardly at all. Who knows when the next time you'll have a team that's as good as this one is, if it's as good as we think it could be. 
to me, I, I think you take an eight-win season if it involves if it includes a win over one of those three over a nine-win. I know that, that might sound ridiculous. Obviously, it doesn't get you to as good of a bowl game, probably, but it shows that you're capable of competing with them. You know, it helps the recruiting a lot if you're able to show you can beat them. Um, to me, that's just the one thing that's just been lacking year after year, except for the very few little, you know, aberrations against Penn State and Michigan when they were really bad under, uh, was that Oak they had then? When they were, you know, that one win. Yeah, we, we got we got Brady Hoke fired for them, which yeah, really yeah, was a service. Them when they weren't any good, so. I don't know. I know. I know. It sounds like a hot take. It's not an intentional hot take, like to get people fired up and talking. But um, I just feel like you really need to beat one of those three this year. I think. I think there's val- I think there's value in that too. I, I just think when you get yourself in a position to hit hit ten with a bowl win, like there there's a bit of a magicalness to that, and that's that's a thing. That's a big round number you can put in all those recruiting pamphlets and crap, you know. To kind of, if you're talking about Loxie and trying to continue to build the program up, like yes, you do have to knock those those big teams off, but you also got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And I, I think having a season where you get to nine by beating all those teams you're supposed to beat, you know, plus a couple of fairly quality teams on the road, you know, a couple of these teams probably end up being better than we think they are, um, just you know by by luck and chance. Um, but I mean, if at the end of the season we're arguing over whether eight wins and a win over Penn State is better than nine yeah, wins and just knocking everybody else off, that's a fine conversation I, to have. That is perfectly good progress and the continual progression under Lox's program, which is awesome. We have been talking about football for nearly an hour. Let's do a little bit of basketball, Jeff. The team went to Italy, they toured Italy. They destroyed a bunch of – were they even professional players? They were professionals, but it wasn't high-level competition. Yeah, they, they beat them pretty badly. The starting five from the reports, just from reading this site, correct me if I'm wrong, the starting five looked great, including the two freshman starters, uh, DHS and Jamie Kaiser. But maybe after that it was a drop-off. Is that true? Is that a good characterization or no? Yeah, I think – Jamie Kaiser might have even been their leading scorer on the trail. I mean, every game it seemed like he was. Yeah, uh, thirteen and eight, fifteen and six. One game he had six steals. You know, which is interesting because the obvious, the biggest question about him is the defensive side, the foot speed. Um, you know, it's it's really hard to take a lot from stuff because of the competition level, and because you're not able to watch the games, obviously. But uh, Kaiser, I mean, I saw him. Uh, probably two months ago to practice, you know, effortlessly draining NBA threes. I mean, he might, you know, I think there's a chance he could be the best shooter on the team, honestly. And so, you know, what looks like a 50-50 battle between him and, and Jordan Geronimo for that only vacant starting spot, I think it's starting to feel like a little more, it's pretty much Kaiser's, although it's really early the season is a long way away and they really like Geronimo too. Um, so that, you know, they like, they saw some things they like, you pretty much know, you know, Julian Reese and Jamir Young and Dante Scott are by now. Uh, although I hear Dante Scott's been shooting the ball exceptionally well for most of the summer. That, that is, you know, a top three. We'll uh, believe that when we see it, Jeff. He has, he, we have, we have proof that he has done it before yeah, at, you know, at the college level. level. That's true. That is yeah. true. 
43% two years ago. Um, He hasn't, you know, the past few years, he hasn't been able to replicate it. He is the biggest probably swing factor on the team, right? If he can be like that guy he was the first eight games last year when he looked like an All-American or close to that level even, just not who he was necessarily for chunks of last year. Uh, And then, you know, the other big question is obviously shooting, three-point shooting in general. Uh, Noah Bachelor sounds like, you know, they really like the way he's shot. They think he's improved and we'll be able to give them minutes. Question there, same, you know, even more so, I'd say, than Kaiser's his defense. Um, you know, I feel like the bench, the bench could be actually be pretty solid, but there's not, you know, there's not a lot of proven commodities there. So, yeah, right. I mean, if, if you look at what, what we got from the reports, the, the interesting things to me were obviously Kaiser, um, showing out the way he did and shooting the way he did. I think if, uh, if Swinton Roger can be just a playable backup center, that really solves a lot of problems too. Not only if Reese gets in foul trouble, just being able to mix up the lineups a little bit. Um, and especially once you get into big 10 conference play, you've got somebody you can really, really bang for 10, 15 minutes, give you three or four fouls against those, those big guys. Um, and really it's just, you know, can, can you get enough out of the bench to be serviceable? And I, I, I still don't entirely know about that, you know, whether long can really play, you know, is he really good enough to spell him at the point or you have to put DHS there and you got to figure out how you're going to get somebody in at the two and the three when he's playing point. Like I, there's a lot of questions there, but certainly if Kaiser ends up being a player, you know, DHS is going to be ready. That solves a few things, but, you know, Swanton Roger could be a real plus off the bench if he puts it together. Um, I think he'll be serviceable. I really do. I don't, yeah. you know, he's, I think he's got some sneaky athleticism to him. He's super aggressive, really good motor. You know, he's not going to score a lot, obviously, but I think he can give you some capable minutes. And then DHS, that's another question. Like, is he just a really good freshman? He gets you 11 points a game, is really solid, or is he like freshman All American level? The way everybody's talking about him is freshman all-american level you know you never know until you see it but if he can be that guy where he's a he's an instant you know star at times you know it's in that case it's really uh silly not to have him in the preseason top 25 i'll say that much i am calling it right now i'm on the maddie traore bat bandwagon he is my prediction he's gonna start showing some stuff this year by the end of the year he's gonna like push his way into the rotation he's gonna be a player for them that's my that's my call for him long term you're not alone i talked to somebody inside the program and they had a similar take on him that he's gonna end up playing 15 minutes a game and be a solid guy i mean seeing him in person i mean wait till you see yes that's what i'm saying he's massive he looks seven feet or seven one but his body type looks like a small forward like like swan roger and these other guys they just look like big centers he looks like he's got like that kevin garnett kind of build not a, obviously not that he's kevin garnett but he's athletic his, his jumper i watched him it looked you know he had a decent looking little jumper so you know he, he could be something the question mark is he hasn't produced at a high level necessarily anywhere so you you know you gotta he's got a step outside he's got to prove that he can do that obviously but and he um, wasn't he wasn't healthy in italy too which so we didn't really get to see him nah, even against those guys like an administrative issue or something like that that's i'm told it's all good and he'll be good to go but uh he's the best he's the best athlete on the team 
Jeff, when are they getting a commit? Good question, man. It's been a while. <laughs> when was the last? When is the last Maryland basketball commitment? Who? Who? Ka uh, Braden Kaiser? Pierce. Pierce. Uh, uh, Pierce. Outside of the transfer portal. Pierce was the last one, right? Wasn't he the last one last year? Pierce, that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd hope to get one in September when most of these guys are visiting. You got the big dogs. I mean, a lot of years you have kind of a longer list where there's, you know, you have a few high levels, a mid-level, maybe a sleeper kind of guy. This year it's just a smaller handful of high-level guys. This uh, sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. I'm, I'm scared to death. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death about this class. I mean, you got two five-stars, Derek Queen and uh, Boogie Flan, guard from New York. Both of them will be visiting. Queen hasn't announced the date yet. I've heard that he has one set but hasn't announced it yet. Uh, Flan, that's, I mean, that's going to be tough to beat Kentucky and Alabama and these other schools for Boogie Flan, but he is visiting, so we'll see. Tanai Roofs. He's a borderline five-star, too. I mean, he's been incredible this summer, has lived up to all the hype that surrounded him early in his career. You watch his video, and it's like, wow, this 6'8 guy. I mean, he looks like a prototypical NBA small forward, um, but that one's going to be tough. Um, you know, he's you have to sell him on coming home, which he's, has not been his preference for a while now, so you have to turn that one around. Matthew Hodge, the forward from uh, – from Belgium, who plays ball in New Jersey. You know, I've, everybody knows by now probably, but uh, Mike Jones was uh, college roommates and teammates with his father, so he's got a longstanding relationship there. Uh, Marquette, Penn State, Virginia, and a couple others are in the mix. I, I would probably uh, label Maryland as the favorite there, but not, not a favorite as in, like, you know, it's happening for sure. But I would, he's the one guy that I've if we were doing percentages, and let's please not do percentages, Larry, but uh, I'll put him higher than the others. And uh, who am I forgetting? There's one more guy. Jaden uh, Mustaf. Mustaf. Oh, Jaden Mustaf. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's another one that's that's tough. You know, it's probably going to be down to Maryland, Indiana, NC State, maybe Florida State. Uh, it's crazy how many of these, how much Maryland and Indiana are overlapping lately. It's unbelievable. I mean, almost all those guys I just named, or at least three or four of them have Indiana on their final list too. I think that's why there's starting to be some internet beef between the two fan bases. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're shooting for the stars. I mean, that's not to say they don't have backup plans for these guys, but, you know, they, they are definitely aiming high and clean. Derek Queen obviously is the big dog. You know, if you get him, everything else is gravy pretty much because he was already – you know, he's been a five-star throughout his high school career, but this summer he cemented himself as probably the best center in the country. You know, he went from being a five-star guy to a household name. So that's that's the big one. You know, oh, I, I think guy. Jeff just promised a monster class, in quotes, monster class. He promised Queen, Fland, Rus, and Mustaf, which would I, – I I'm not going to lie. I get the feeling Jeff is just as scared as we are. No, no. He, <laughs> he promised a monster class. I heard it. Yeah, no, Cooper Flag also is, is coming. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, Bronny, Bronny is transferring in also, I guarantee that. All right, we Bron will, Bronny okay? <laughs> we will do more basketball when the season gets closer. And, of course, if anybody commits, hopefully we'll get them on the show afterward. We'll do all of that. Uh, let's, let's give a minute to our favorite segment of the show, Paul's favorite segment of the show. Let's bring back for the first time of the season our boy Wheels. 
Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Wheels with your Inside Maryland Sports Non-Revenue Sports Report. 14th ranked Maryland men's soccer team opens their season Thursday night against Missouri State. You can catch that game on BTN+. They then play 10th ranked UNC Greensboro on Sunday. You can actually catch that game on the main BTN network. Women's soccer has already played two games. They dropped a 1-0 game at Florida and they tied American 0-0. They open their home season now, Thursday night, against Navy. You can catch that game on BTN+. Preseason third-ranked field hockey opens a three-game West Coast swing to start their season. They play at Stanford Friday night, followed up on Sunday at Cal in Berkeley. Then they finish that West Coast swing against UC Davis on Monday before returning home. And that's it for your non-revenue sports report. Everyone take care out there. Almost okay, a Big minute, Ten schedule. This is last minute, but you guys want to hop on, like, hit that West Coast field hockey swing? Yes, sir. Let's do that. Right. Are you paying? I'm checking flights. Yeah, you. Let's you, do it. You send send me a ticket. I'll go wherever you want. <laughs> Let's do it. They were doing. They're already doing the the Big Ten schedule. Stanford, Cal, maybe, and then you see. Davis instead of LA, but okay. Yeah, I mean that's what they're gonna have to do, right? They're gonna have to go on these like week long trips and just stay out there, like it's right. anything feasible. And th- those schools out there, in particular, are gonna have to do that. They're gonna have to do it two, three times a season per team. And you know what? Anybody who's traveled like a lot, like going east sucks way more than going west, like time change wise and jet yes. lag wise. Yeah. So like it, that'd be good gonna, for Maryland. I'll be interested to see just if if you notice any of those patterns. All right. I got a true or false for you guys to end the show, but we're going to change the first one for Jeff percent chance that Derek, I'm just kidding. Uh, But I was sure that was coming. That's funny. There's one close to that coming actually, but true or false. I got three for each of you guys, Jeff, Maryland football will flip at least one four star, four star football recruit in the 2024 class. Oh, true. Absolutely. Yes. At least one. At least one. Yeah. I mean, there's, there seem to be a few more on the list than usual this year. Um, and he always gets, I mean, he pretty much always gets one and that's their focus. So yeah, I, I think they'll get, I think they'll get at least two would be my guess. That could put them up close to top 25 ish. If they do that. Uh, right now, where are they right now? 30 low thirties. Uh, mid 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 thirties, I thought, but okay. they're around around forty somewhere in the neighborhood. I haven't looked forty three right now. But if you get two more four stars, that jumps you at ten spots or so. Yeah. So, okay, Paul, Maryland football will beat one of one out of Ohio State, Michigan State, or Penn State this year. False. Till they do it. Yeah, they I'm not. It, right? Yeah, you got to prove it, man. I I want it, and I'm not. I'm not setting myself up again for for that feeling. So, hope I so. Think, but, I think the odds are false on that too. Despite <laughs> two of the games being home. All right, Jeff. Here we go. Maryland ball, basketball will get at least two out of Queen, Fland, Roots, and Mustaf. Let's say false. I like them with Hodge. I like them with Hodge better than. I didn't even include Hodge. 
Hodges That's ranked the 180th. I included the four top I know, 50 guys. That's what I'm saying. I like their chances with him a little better. If you had included him, I might have said to, but uh, oh. Plan, feels like big, Plan feels like a really fairly big long shot. Mustaf, they're going to have to turn around. Roots, they're going to have to turn around. Queen, I think there's, I still have them as the favorite. So there's definitely a chance. But my guess, if I had to say right now, I'd say the odds are more one than two, but uh, better chance of two or zero, Jeff. By this point in the year, you know, like this guy's favoring so-and-so school, this and that, but these, these guys they have coming, nobody really knows for the most part where they're leaning, except Queen, which, you know, all the talk is, has been forever that he's leaning to Maryland, assuming the NIL piece gets worked out. So, um, How about hard. all four? Come in and they play with DHS and Kaiser and Lamoth next year, and that'd be no. Awesome. How about how about this, Jeff? Jeff, better chance they get two of those or none of those? That's good. Um, I'd say better chance too. I'd say better chance too, but it's pretty close. Yeah. See, we're fucked. Just you need to prepare yourselves, guys. This class could be really, really top dudes. You have yeah. literally. Four of those guys, all four of those guys you named, I think are top in the top 25 or top 30. Seventh, 15th, 24th, and 28th. Yep. And if if Willard whiffs on this class, guys, look at who we're losing this year. So just just saying, like, there's some pressure here, you know, for for a guy going into his second year. There's pressure. You got to also go with the, well, he also knows that. Right. right? Like, is he going to? He knows more than us that he has, you know, what he has to do, what he has coming back. So he's, he's obviously doing his calculations and, you know, he knows that he has a plan. So it's not like he's going into it blindly thinking, oh, we'll just get a bunch of five stars easily. But, um, yeah. Well, I'm just curious because Turgeon seemed to have this thing when he came in too, aiming for the stars and getting, getting slapped back to his level. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious whether we're seeing history repeat itself or whether Willard can kind of break that stretch a little bit. I mean, he, he, he showed his ability last year with Harris and Kaiser. So I think you have to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, these are some big dogs. You're recruiting with some schools that recruit really well, have a ton of NIL money. So September is going to be really interesting. Paul conference realignment is good for Maryland football. It's okay. Technically true. I think because the more teams in the big 10, the less we're going to get stuck with a schedule where we're going to have those three or potentially four automatic losses on it every year. I think the more you spread the boat out, the better chance you start running into teams that are on our level. And I think some teams will sink to our level, frankly, the bigger that, you know, that once these, these kind of pac 12 teams that have been used to being big fish and small ponds, are swimming in a big pond, they're going to get slapped back a little bit too. So I do think generally, strictly for Maryland's terms, I think it, it will be, I think it's true. Jeff, this summer was the best summer you've had for the site because of all the conference realignment talk. Uh, false. That mm. doesn't really move the needle. People talk on the message board. Nobody subscribes to that. They don't come back day and night to find out the latest and that because they can get it anywhere. The spring, I will say, with the Hunter Dickinson sweepstakes was one of the busiest we've ever had. You know, 
only equaled by coaching searches. Otherwise, that was, you know, that was extremely busy. But the summer's been, you know, just, and even now it's still, still slowing that you can feel the malaise like slowly starting to turn around, but it's going to be another week as we get a little closer to the season opener before things get charged up. So, false. I've been watching and reading lots of realignment stuff. So maybe it's just me. I don't know. Paul, last one. At some point in your lifetime, Maryland football will make the national playoff. False. We all know that, right? Not even once. You can lie to yourself all you want. but it's They can not have bad. a magical season. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe the, the playoff gets big enough. That, uh, yeah, they're going to go to sixteen, almost yeah, for sure. If it goes to sixteen, maybe you could find a find a way that that happens. But it, it's still pretty damn unlikely. And I've accepted this, and I've moved on. It, it, we are what we are. I just want to, I want to compete, man. I, I just want to compete. And if the stars align once or twice, that'd be fantastic. Well, there's a whole hell of a lot of negativity in that true or false, there, gentlemen. Man, you you want you want the real deal. That's what you're gonna get, man. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, the basketball questions to where we have no choice but to keep it real. The the football recruiting was the most positive, where they're gonna get the four star flips. All right, they're not gonna beat anybody big. They're not gonna get to the playoff. Basketball recruiting's not going well. Blah 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 blah. Well, trust me, I'd I rather it's be not going I, well. It's to it's to be determined. I wouldn't yeah. say not going well. I would it's, say it's it's, it's scary. And yeah, it's, it's women's soccer team starts off with a loss and a draw. What are we gonna do? Everybody can't even, can't even handle it. Just not not ready. Everybody. We always got field hockey. We've always got field hockey. And women's lacrosse <laughs> and, and men's lacrosse. Men's oh, lacrosse too. I was texting with wheels earlier this week and he guaranteed a national championship. So there you go. Okay. Hold him to it. Guaranteed. He said maybe not undefeated like two years ago, because there's some other good teams, but he said national championship. He guaranteed it. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Lacrosse. 10 put days. The, put it in the spreadsheet. <laughs> 10 days until Towson. 10 days, 10 days. And we'll probably be back next week. We'll be previewing Towson, right? Yeah, I think we're we're probably week to week at this point, right? Hop back on the horse and we should uh, we should have a Maryland player joining us next week, so that'll be good. That would be good. I Yeah, they I, they break they break camp this weekend, right, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. That would be very good. And hopefully we're going to have shortly after that, we're going to be into September and hopefully one of those basketball players is going to commit. We'll hopefully get them on the show too. So, and there's some other uh, things we have in store for the season in terms of some big name guests that we're hoping for everything too. So everybody is still listening. We've got a decent crowd here. Please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel. If you haven't, if you're just listening or watching later, please do us click that subscribe button for us. And there's a little bell I think you can click where you, that means you'll get a notification anytime we're going live. You can click that one too. Very much, we'd very much appreciate that. Until next week, fellas, this has been IMS Radio.
From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.